Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 285th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that is always ready to sink our teeth into whatever's mooning. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, James Chilcott, aka at MTG Critic on Twitter, and my co-host this week, as always, is Travis Allen at Wizard Bumpin' on Twitter, and we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Good evening, James. Good evening, everyone. Glad to be here and looking forward to sharing some valuable information with all of you. Our show is produced by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today at mtgprice.com to plan your specs, chat on Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5, that's the number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Another week, another dollar, another truckload of topics for the MTG Finance Brigade. How are we going to break all that up this week, Travis? <laughs> Well, uh, this week we'll do four segments. Uh, segment one, our MTGO metagame week in review. We've got a challenge and a super qualifier. Segment two, our top paper movers. A couple cards that have moved in price this week, a little quieter this week than normal, uh, as well as some MTGO movers. Segment three, our cards to watch. We've got a full slate of picks for you this week. And finally, segment four, our topic of the week, the top 10 Modern Horizons 2 cards two months later. We'll talk a little bit about how Modern Horizons 2 has been shaping up over the last couple months. Let's start out here at the top. Uh, we have a Modern Challenge from August 15th, which is two days ago as of recording time. And it looks like we've got uh, four Goblet Engineer in the first place list, a card that I has admittedly way underperformed compared to what I was expecting to see out of it during the initial spoilers. Not only has it not consistently held uh, attention in either mo- modern or EDH, where in both cases it does see the smattering of play, and here we see it winning uh, a fairly difficult modern challenge uh, on Magic Online, um, but it's also been reprinted uh, twice <laughs> since we originally got it in Modern Horizons 1, because we got it as an old border foil in... Uh, Time Spiral Remastered this spring, and then immediately two months later got it as an old border foil again in Modern Horizons 2. So some combination probably of Wizards miscommunicating between teams internally, and also them possibly thinking that the card needed to be kept in play because it was going to be such a hot item. Um, Hasn't quite had its, you know, ascendant... uh, protracted ascended period as it were that would lead this card to really explode and it's going to be tough to overcome uh the relatively deep set of copies in the market probably is worth keeping an eye on the old border foils and the uh original pack foils however just to see how long it takes i mean to me this is a question of when not if with this card the good versions of it will eventually dry up and they'll probably leave it alone for a while given how many printings it got this year so let's say that it gets two to four years before any subsequent reprint um by the end of that period i fully expect it to expect it to perform well but the question the issue with those kinds of cards is always what could i have done in the interim instead of waiting on it 
Yeah, I, I mean, I would agree that, you know, this seems like the double old border foiling process that this got was uh, a miscommunication on Wizard's part. Um, I, think, I think I remember seeing Shivam or someone ask Wizards about it, but I don't recall what their answer was because he picked up on that as well, as I'm sure plenty of people did. So they're unlikely to come back to this well anytime in the next several years, I would presume, especially if it's not performing really well, they're not going to be jumping back here. It is a very potent card um, and yet hasn't done a lot. So I, I would agree that it's kind of more of a when if, when not if, but if that when is five years from now, four years from now, like that's a long time to wait to to move prices. So I'll keep an eye on him. Uh, but at the moment, it's pretty far, pretty low on my list of specs. It's a card I really wish I could invest, uh, you know, I'm interested in specking on, but ultimately I don't think that's a good idea. I also have some left in the bad specs box or the long-term specs box from periods where it was doing well, like Urza decks with Goblin Engineer uh, and later Emery were doing pretty well in mid-late 2019. And then it kind of fell off the radar for a while. But Modern Horizons 1 foils are down to $6. Yeah. I mean, that's... Now, is that just a pack foil or the retro? That's, that's original pack foil. Okay. Not, you know, it's got... Which you definitely have to be asking yourself how much will OBF pull away from that over time. But it's still... Original printing foils are still original printing foils. And, you know, that, that can't be $6 forever and ever. And if we look at the Time Spiral Remastered Old Border foils, they can be had for... Probably see, nine. <laughs> Uh, let's see. No, old border foils of Goblin Engineer from Times Power Remastered are twenty five dollars. Yeah, they're carrying a four times premium over the original pack foil. What, what what's and, the uh, this got and, old border twice? What's the other old border foil price Mo- on it? Modern Horizons two, right? So, and that one is, and that and it's worth keeping an eye on the uh, Modern Horizons one printings for an old border foil for modern horizons too because of course those only come in collector booster boxes uh but they are down to you know at two dollars to two dollars and fifty cents so you have a 10 times premium on the time style remasters before they went ahead and get gave us the new additional printing of the same basically the same card well, what, uh, wasn't this old bordered twice? Yeah, Time Spiral Remastered, twenty five dollars. Oh, the the oh, the Modern Horizons two foils are three dollars. Are you like two dollars? Oh, yeah, I, I I you said that, and I thought you were looking at like pack foils. I didn't no. like I that price was so low. I didn't think you were looking at the right card. Yeah, Whew. ten time Whew. premium. So it basically says that like had they left well enough alone in Time Spiral Remastered, by this point. TSPR foils would be pulling up even higher because that ramp there's not that many listings left and the ramp's relatively steep and then pack foils would probably have gotten pulled up behind them into the at least the $10 range but given that you've got 68 listings to work through on the Modern Horizons 2 reprint it's worth keeping an eye on how fast these are moving if you take a look they look like they move two or three copies a day so might not take more than six or 12 months for for these to catch up to the TSPRs, they may be well be a very solid buy under three bucks. Yeah, I mean three dollars for anything like that seems pretty tasty. Um, you know, any old border foil, even if it's the Modern Horizons two stuff. But you know, if I if I continue to comment on this, it's going to bite into my input in segment four here. So I'm going to put a pin on this and come back to that 
topic a little further down the cast here. Um, we'll jump ahead here to uh, the second place, which is a another Hammer Time deck. Um, four of those Colossus Hammers just beaten up with Esper Sentinels, Esper Sentinels, some Giver Runes, Pure Steel Paladin, um, Stoneforge. You know, the group uh, looks like a pretty familiar build at this point. Green Tron in third, Indomitable Creativity. Popping up over and over again in these top eight lists, in this case, fourth place. Blue-Red Merktide in fifth, Shardless Footfalls in sixth. Burn showing up for the first time in a while in a top eight for Modern. Here in seventh and again in eighth in the Modern Super Qualifier. And then Grix's Shadow finishing up the challenge from August 15th. Okay. So that's a fun event there. And then over on the Super Qualifier, taking down the event is Living End. Uh, and seventh place too as well. Living End had been kind of quiet for a little while there, um, but now I feel like we've seen it pop up a couple times in the last two or three weeks here. Oh yeah, definitely. We saw Living End win the challenge on August 8th and also place fourth in that same event. So yeah. that's multiple wins for Living End in consecutive weekends. They've got the, the four main deck griefs uh, and shardless agents. Other than that, it's primarily a familiar dredgy package of creatures, Architects of Will, some Brazen Borrowers, Creator of Mysteries, those guys. Um, the three Living Ends and then uh, four Violent Outbursts with the four Force of Negation to back it up. Um, especially because you can... Violent Outburst on your opponent's turn, which gives you the ability to cast Force of Negation for its free cost uh, aggressively as opposed to defensively, which is a nice little trick that they get to pull off. Yeah, and Living End itself was almost one of my selections this evening. I'll probably throw it in the Discord as a bonus. There's only two printings ever for Living End in the last 20 years. There's the original printing in Time Spiral and the printing in Time Spiral Remastered, and that's it. And original foils for Time Spiral Remastered are pricey. Currently, you can still get the reprint foils from TSPR at about $13, but we're down to 28 listings on TCG Player. And this is a four of in a deck that has back-to-back top eight wins and has been putting up solid results for at least two or three months. So all of that says to me that if COVID would just let off here and, and let paper play resume in earnest the you know foil living ends could dry up real fast and even in the current scenario i would guess that they don't have more than about three or six months before they're going to push up to 25 or 30 yeah that's quite possible that's quite possible uh you know on that note uh that's not going to happen the covid letting off (laughs) just so we're on the same page there that's not going to happen uh the tspr foils might be a buy i mean the pack original times foils look like they're on 25 and their mastered foils are 15 maybe uh so there could be a little bit of room there now, now i would say the following we know we're getting box toppers with uh innistrad this fall i can't remember if it's for both sets or just crimson vow but the i would expect some kind of a horror theme to those box toppers some people have said it would just be creatures as opposed to Zendikar, Risings, Lands. Um, but I suspect it could. it's probably more something like think cards that are not in the set, but are similarly themed to the classic horror tropes of Innistrad, in which case Living End could well get its first premium copy. Yeah, it might. I, I mean, I would say that it's a pretty weird card. 
Um, you know, they don't do a lot. I would say they don't do a lot with suspend nowadays. They have the, the modern horizons two cycle, but modern horizons two is a sort of, um, ultra advanced product relative to like a standard set, but that might not really care. It might not really matter at this point. So it's entirely plausible. This could show up in that regard, which, which makes the decision easy here. You just don't buy anything today. Uh, wait for the full spoiler to drop in whatever, a couple in a week or two, three weeks. And then if it's not there, you're probably in the clear for a little while. Because I would imagine Living End is a niche enough card that I would expect that the box toppers will end up being one of the cheaper things in that box topper list. Let's say that there are 30 cards involved there. Living End would be pushed down towards the end of the list just because of its, you know, single deck usage pattern. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now if it now if it dodges there and you can still find foils lying around, that would to me that's a buy signal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. Like if if we don't see it in in Estrada as a premium card and the time spiral remastered foils are still low, uh, that certainly is a viable target. I think. So carrying on with the modern super qualifier from the weekend, blue white control was in second, featuring four Thrafairy, four Shark Typhoon, four Counterspell, four Archmage's Charm, and two Chalice of the Void main to take care of all those one casting cost and zero casting cost spells in the format. Uh, I think the most notable thing in these the evolution of these blue white and Jeskai control decks is that Counterspell has moved from an experimental one or two of to a four of, which makes various premium versions of Counterspell that much more appealing as specs. Mm-hmm. Assuming, assuming that you got in on them kind of early on the news that it was being included in Modern. Yeah, at the moment there has been, you know, Counterspell was spoiled and wasn't sure how much it was going to play out, but it has been gaining steam. Um, so I, I would agree that several of those premium products may have an opportunity for entry point. There's so many that at the moment I, I don't even know which one to go to. And frankly, the fact that there's so many premium version like pseudo premium versions of counterspell might actually be a bit of a drag because there's it, dis- it distributes the interest for sure across yeah. six or seven different versions yeah and there's no like clear best choice there's several that are solid so and i mean you can go all the way back and buy alpha copies if you care so there's a there's a there's a lot of ways to go with counterspell beta counterspell was one of my picks last winter and look is looking pretty good the seven people that got in on seventh edition foils um, are also in pretty sweet position. So continuing on here, we have shardless footfalls in third, and in another indomitable creativity list in fourth. Hammer time in fifth. Another footfalls deck in sixth. Another living end deck in seventh, and then the aforementioned burn deck uh, in eighth. So modern has gone through a bit of a golden period this summer. Really, it, it's been uh, a, a subtle shift week to week. Several new archetypes introduced. A lot of that has to do with how many new cards from Modern Resonance 2 have rotated into the format and reinvigorated everything. You've got a bunch of very powerful things going on, but they all seem to be operating in harmony. And it's about the most diverse version of the format I can remember seeing. It's a great, Modern's great right now. It's um, it's a real bummer that people aren't able to get into the store to play more because it is a cool looking format where you get to do some interesting stuff. A little fast. A little fast, uh, a bit more cutthroat than I would prefer, admittedly, but still a strong format. Moving on over to segment two, top paper movers of the week. This list actually could have been super, super long. You you commented earlier that it wasn't wasn't uh, a very deep list this week. That's because we curated out hu- literally hundreds 
of old border foils that have been under consistent pressure throughout the whole summer. Like, And I'm not just talking good cards or notable cards. I'm talking about every foil printed from whatever they started. I don't know, was it 99 or 2000, something like that, through to about 2010. <laughs> like, pe- pe- uh, so, so you just chose not to include as many this week. <laughs> well, I'm, usually we'll pick out one or two of them as poster children for that side of the movement. But suffice to say, there's... You know, if you've got binders full of old foils, you should be starting to sleeve those up and put them into top loaders. Make sure you're taking care of them and get them organized so that you can chase some of these trends. Because I've got a whole, like a four row full up with old border foils, and I don't even want to think about what they're going to be worth in another two years worth of this action. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. Because you're talking about, you know, you could have hundreds of those older foils sitting around that used to be 50 cents, and now buy list on them might be $6 or $8 or something. Um, TCG retail might be 14 and they'll be hard to sell, but when they do, it'll just be pure profit. I do have uh, a ton of old border foils floating around, but they're all garbage. But the thing that, is that, that a lot of, matter. a lot of, yeah, a lot, a lot of the garbage is moving anyway. Right. And every once in a while you get something like a old border squirrel nest or a seal of removal or fire and ice that finds a new lease uh, on life from being included in Modern Horizons 2 or suddenly being relevant for squirrels in EDH or whatever. And and then they just pop right off. So, uh, take care of your old foils. Alpine Moon out of M19 going from about 750 to 1050, 40% increase on modern play. You know, you, you could get Alpine Moons at 50 cents to a dollar or something at one point. So anybody that's got stacks of those sitting around is doing pretty well. That uh, Magic Player Rewards Terminate, we talked about it being in motion last week, and here we see it uh, experiencing additional uh, upward pressure from 12 to 18, 50% gains. Um, we had, uh, I think, referenced that it was being used heavily in uh, one of the new commander decks, but generally it's just a good commander card with uh, a high level of play across many different commanders. Choke out of uh, Masterpiece Series Amon Ket. Foil, of course, going from 51 to about 78 or 80, about 53% gains. That's a slow, steady drain out on those. Uh, I'm pretty sure I've got a few of them sitting around, so I should probably put them up for sale. Mm. I, I like holding the Amon Ket stuff at the moment. Invocations. After the way we saw the, the Kaladesh inventions move, and those have all, you know, so many of them are up in the 100 to $200 range. Or more. <laughs> Yeah, the Amonkhet, yeah, I actually uh, just fired off a soul ring yesterday for $1,000, <laughs> and there are only two left on TCG Player both that are grand, so people still buy that stuff. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think the Amonkhet stuff really has, has room to grow here. Their cards aren't quite as necessarily strong, and they are much weirder borders, but they're much more... I think I think they will, in time, be remembered fondly, uh, at least in the same way that, like, your favorite bad movie is remembered fondly uh, with the, with the caveat here that, you know, like Goblin Engineer, if you're in a position where that that's money that's tied up, that could be spent elsewhere might not be the best way to have it. But, you know, if that's not a major consideration, I don't mind letting them sit around. I think as per usual with any of the premium stuff, you want to cross reference play pattern against in the ramp and the inventory drain rate. And now that TCG player is showing us the drain rate, at least for the last week, um, it gives you a lot more information uh, to use in that regard. And also eBay has now started showing that information in case people aren't aware. 
Um, if you're inside the app, usually you have button a button that will give you access to recent sales and show you a trend line, um, which is certainly nice to have. The two points on your comments there. A, invocations are definitely not Army of Darkness. Two, or B, um, I got six or seven Masterpiece Soul Rings that are sitting in my blue chip box that were acquired from CK last year at the going rate of about 320. Um, and that was a double up ratchet. So I'm very excited to hear you selling one for a grand. <laughs> sounds like <laughs> sounds like I should get one up for sale. <sighs> yeah, well, and I bumped my next one up to 1400. I'm we're, we're we're not we're not looking to just keep the price where it is. I'm going to keep that bar moving. Uh, my goal is to get by the time I'm on my last soul ring, I want it up at like 20 grand. Like you, you know, give, give, give me a, give me a, a year's worth of mortgage payments for my last soul ring. I'm pretty curious to see what will happen if they, if they split the EDH format, whether they'll keep, keep soul ring in the lower powered version that doesn't include the reserve list. I, st- I, I, I think at this point they're not going to split them. Oh, I, I, I think the cues are. I f- completely disagree. I think the cues, the writings on the wall, that a split is coming. I think they're just debating exactly what the details are going to be. I mean, what pieces of information are you picking up to make that that haven't been true prior to this? There was a Sheldon Menery comment earlier this summer, where he said something along the lines of "be forewarned." You know, we're not doing anything right now, but when you're deciding what, like, to spend big money on EDH cards, consider that the format may not always look the same way or something like that. Oh, um, he, he and, said some, he said that. Yeah. And keep in mind that there, there was rumors this time last year that they, yeah. were, that they were splitting the format, which I suspect had a source. You know, I don't know what the source was or where, you know, where that leaked from. But my guess is that that committee plus Wizards has been discussing this for some time, debating the finer points of, you know, what what are the pros and cons of doing this and, and, and you know, what is the effect? And from Wizards' perspective, the upside is obvious. If they ban things like duels and so forth and... Well, not banned. They're gonna they're gonna split the format. They'll make it something like EDH Vintage versus normal EDH, and they'll have fit cute little names for those two things. And they'll they'll point at Rule Zero so everybody doesn't have a shit fit, but they'll have a shit fit anyway. And people will whine about how their duels might be worth less, and then time will tell whether there's any truth to that. The my suspicion is that it will more people will just end up gravitating to the groups that make sense for their collections where the fully enfranchised players that have all the duels and, and the Wheel of Fortunes and the Time Twisters and whatever will play together. And people will just put up ads on social saying, hey, I, I'm looking to play powered EDH or whatever. Um, but if, from, if, from Wizards' perspective, it makes perfect sense because they can't sell duels. So they would be happy to make that a void and then sell you more training grounds and the you know the new EDH duels that they produce for you and then watch those take off. I think that we we talked about this before. It makes sense to split the formats uh from the semi limited amount of time I've spent thinking about it. I remember talking about this what or however many months a year ago and it didn't seem like anything had changed in that regard. 
So I didn't feel like we were moving in that direction. If Sheldon has been making comments to the contrary, uh, and I somehow missed him on my timeline, because at this point I think I followed the entire CAG, uh, or maybe not, then, yeah, then the, 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 the math changes on that. There's definitely no running dialogue from members of the CAG on this, and, and I think that makes sense. You don't want to be dropping hints of this nature very often unless you're ready to move on them. Correct. They, but there's a lot, there's a lot, a lot of win from the keg perspective too. Cause all the bitching about how I can't get a wheel. I can't get a time twister. I can't get a guy's cradle. They can just be like, okay, well no problem. You can play growing rights of it. You can play the new druid that taps like cradle and we'll get rid of that other stuff and relegate it to EDH vintage or powered EDH or whatever you want to call it. CDH, I don't know if that that works, but whatever branding they come up with, I think that split is fine, honestly, um, because I, I suspect that playgroups already kind of sort themselves out and will continue to do so. Well, I guess there is the point that, you know, they've all been hammering the have your rule zero conversations. That seems to has been a definite uh theme among a lot of content they've put out recently which a lot of conversations they seem to be having which they may see as an opportunity to just avoid the split altogether <clears throat> is to just bake into the format the idea that you're supposed to talk to the people you're playing with before you sit down to decide you know what power level you guys want to play at uh i don't know i i think that at the end of the day it's probably fine to do it, but I don't think it's a loss the format either way. And I can see whether I can see why wizards might want to do it, but if they're giving Sheldon and his team a little bit of room, they might not split it. But then I, again, I can see wizards coming in and making that decision for them at some point. Well, if, that, uh, there's enough pressure from the Hasbro because now you've got a bunch of people who aren't wizards employees responsible for a very potentially lucrative decision. Well, that's just it. I don't think Wizards is ever going to let the keg make this call. Like, they'll solicit input and blah, blah, blah. But in the end, if Hasbro slash Wizards wants to make money along this angle, they're going to go for it. They And it makes sense for them to do in, increasingly because they, you know, people were like, Legacy will be there forever. And you and I said, nah, <laughs> it makes sense for them to deprioritize Legacy and Vintage. And sure enough, that's what they've done. Like, we haven't, there hasn't been any mention of that. Uh, those formats along product lines since Eternal Masters. And that was several years ago. Mm-hmm. Liter- literally nothing since then has been seemingly aimed at those formats. Yeah, they're, and, they're and long so, gone. Right. And so then if you then connect the dots from that to EDH is now the most important format, they're now facing the exact same set of motivations where it's like, the if anybody is turned off of this format from not from some players having access to slightly more powerful versions of cards, then it behooves them to remove that barrier and shunt it off to a, su- a sub-format so that they can dodge bad PR, so that they can sell you more product. Like these, are, these It's all upside for them. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense from the Hasbro perspective. The question is, you know, are they going to change change the rules regardless of what CAG wants. Uh presumably, eventually. <laughs> uh I don't know. 
Um, but yeah, may, may, maybe we see that this year. Uh, okay. Uh, we're weird. That was choke. Dress down. <laughs> Dress down. Out of Modern Horizons 2, the non-foils 4 to 650, uh, that for about a 60% upgrade um, on the modern play. That's the uh, the thing in the ice combo that we talked about last week. And Death Shadow and other things. The, yeah, the Death Shadow is amusing. Our, our members have been reporting selling lots of copies of this, foil copies of this. I sold three regular copies around six bucks overnight tonight. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Dress Down is, is doing well. And I'm happy to, to pull that extra value out of the MH2 collector boosters, as we talked about last week, from these you know random rares that would have been written off as bulk and mine them for value up front and make those cbs even cheaper yep yeah that's a good way to go about it warping this, whale go ahead. Say, this one's an interesting one uh the warping whale foils out of uh oath of the Gatewatch because i hadn't really these are in all the tron lists but truth be told that hasn't really been on my radar but they're from about 18 to 30 for almost a double up here because Warping Whale is just a very common part of the Tron list. And we know Tron has been doing really well lately. So it makes sense. There are three copies left, four, five copies total left across three listings on TCG Player, a tw- two $25 copies, a $30 copy, and two additional $30 copies. So if you got any of those sitting around, Drag them on out, because <laughs> sure would be nice if you cracked uh, Oath of the Gatewatch boxes to recoup a little bit of your likely losses from when most of the good cards out of there got uh, banned off the table during Eldrazi Winter, and then later faded from existence as Eldrazi Tron direct, Eldrazi decks kind of uh, fell off the, the modern landscape for about a year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, it, it, this is it, Warping Whale is interesting because it gives you the idea that uh, you know, some of these uncommons uh, can can have some solid price movements here if they go, especially if they go without a reprint for a little while. Uh, it's easy to look over to overlook these types of cards, especially when they're well. You know, I'm going to say niche because it's in exactly one deck in one format, but still pulled it off here. But the deck does have multiple incarnations, and also one of the strongest long term player base is probably of any of the archetypes just because of its longevity in the format so it all it all adds up if you consider that oath of the gatewatch was what five six years ago yeah i mean it's um it, it is yes tron is a very entrenched archetype in that format but it's still one deck essentially right like at least the warping whale builds i think are pretty much exactly the normal tron maybe it includes eldrazi tron and it's only really modern at this point so it's i mean i would say that's fairly narrow application as far as cards go and it's not a four of most of the time is it really i don't remember precisely in, in tron you're usually looking at Three, three of in a list that went 6-1 at the Modern Challenge just recently uh, on August 1st. And then in Eldrazi Tron lists, it looks like it is a two of often. So not bad. Not as good as it could be. Okay. All right. So moving on to Prosper Tomebound, Extended Art, uh, a rare commander uh, gaining ground. Prosper has been the number one built commander in the last 30 days, according to EDH Rec. So not tremendously surprising to see movement here, but uh, it, what's interesting is that there's no foil version of this card. There's no foil extended art version of this card because the c- commander-specific cards that show up in CBs for uh, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms 
are only available in non-foil extended art, not foil. So there's a there's a pack foil prosper that's at the front of the deck uh, if you buy the commander deck, but if you want an extended art version, there's no foil. Huh, yeah, it's kind of funky the way those end up splitting, uh, and I kind of wish they would change that. I don't know why they choose to do it that way. Like, just stick a full art foil behind the pack foil so that there's a really good version of it. I guess this lets them go back and print a premium version of it later on. I find that annoying. Prosper is up 88%, 8 to 15, that you extended our copies. So you got the Fire and Ice foils from Modernizes 2 went from 8 to 25 this week. Read that again. Went from 8 to 25. Yet another thing that you can pull out of your Modern Horizons 2 uh, set booster box or uh, CB crackings and look to glean some additional value. It shows up in Crashing Footfalls, in Indomitable Creativity lists, in some of the Jeskai Control lists run copies. Obviously, the original Apocalypse foils are sky high at this point. And it's interesting because somebody definitely took a swipe at these in the last week, but left the Ultimate Masters copies sitting around, which are basically this almost the same card, except that the MH2 one has the Apocalypse symbol in the text boxes. Now, it's interesting because the Fire and Ice copies in Ultimate Masters were commons, and in Modern Horizons 2, I believe they are either uncommons or rares. Let me just double check that. Mm, they were they, rare in Modern Horizons 2. Right. So they took it from common to... It was uncommon originally in Apocalypse. It was common in Ultimate Masters. And it was rare in Modern Horizons 2. Sure. Why not? <laughs> now, there are still some F&M promos of the, these cards lying around here and there. The kind of thing you might be able to pull out of a, a lazy showcase at a local LGS. Um, I think market price on those is about 11 bucks on TCG Player, but the only copies listed are at 40 So certainly worth either digging out of your own binders or trying to find locally. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, those those uh, F&M promos could be fun to tra- track down at your local store. Uh, Sarah Avatars, the Junior Super Series copies, uh, and I think these have the really awful foil. Uh, oh, nope. This, is... this one has a normal foil process. Uh, again, one of the few JSS series that isn't the Starburst foil. I think it was just maybe it was just the early ones that didn't have the Starburst foil. But a good Sarah Avatar. Um, in fact, the only old border foil that exists, I believe. So really, if you want one that's the best Sarah Avatar copy, uh, not that anyone really needs Sarah Avatars these days, except for essentially nostalgia purposes. But they went from 38 to 120, supposedly. Uh, you know, I suspect liquidity on these is going to be quite low. However, uh, it's still a really cool card. And ain't no more showing up. So anyone who wants one is going to have to pay for it. Well, and the the 120 is conservative. The lowest price point on TCG currently is 160. Um, and you're right because they were Urza Saga, which was the last set that didn't have foils um, back in the day. These are the only old border foil versions thereof. Yeah, it looks like the last near mint foil on TCG was uh, about three weeks ago at 45 bucks. Then we have the Dead and Gone foils from Time Spiral Remastered taking off. This card's only ever had two printings. The first was in Planar Chaos, where it was printed as a common. It was printed as a common again in Time Spiral Remastered. 
but the uh, the foils have basically been cleared out completely um, from TCGs, near as I can figure. Hmm. Dead and gone. So they got, went from about a dollar to five dollars, and it looks like I, I recognize uh, a pro trader with a Russian foil copy posted at seven bucks or so, which I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised to see them sell shortly. <laughs> uh, this is get, this is getting also getting played alongside Fire and Ice and Crashing Footfalls and Living Index and Modern currently. Yeah, you get uh, you can shock something or bounce a or bounce a creature with a hammer on it. Yeah, yeah, just the the double dual functionality there that uh, doesn't get in the way of your shardless agents is helpful. For the same reason, these have always been useful. I think that. Um, the next time we get split cards, and I don't, when was when was the last time we got split cards? The last Modern, Ravnica? Modern Horizons two. Well, I meant new ones. Modern Horizons two. The MH two ones were. Yeah, there's a bunch of split cards in MH two, most of which don't really matter for competitive purposes. Hmm. Because there's there's an there's opportunities there. Um, some of those could really open up some they, older cards. They pretty clearly depowered them. Yeah. Um, in MH two. Like, they had new split cards in Modern Horizons too. Yeah, that 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 set is so deep that had it had good split cards, it would be, would have been stretching into the truly ridiculous realm because there's just already so much going on in this set. Uh, okay, I will take your word for it. Uh, okay, what's going on over on Moto? Uh, Archmage's Charm going from about 19 tickets to 30 tickets. It's a four of in blue, white, and Jeskai control. Uh, for Modern, also shows up in the Blue-Red Murktide decks, so it's seeing plenty of play. I've taken my remaining copies out of my box for buy listing and I'm moving them to retail sales because I think they're going to do just fine there and no reason to undersell them to buy list. Court of Cunning out of CMR um, went from 9 tickets to 17. That is a 3 times sideboard card in Blue-Red De- Delver for Legacy and also shows up in EDH. Um, so that's what's driving that. You've got Traverse the Outlands out of the Treasure Chest on Magic Online going from 2 ticks to 4.3. I'm not sure if that's because it got yanked from Treasure Chest or just because of general EDH usage. Uh, maybe it had its uh, drop rate adjusted. I have to double check with Oko on that. And then Alpine Moon, as we saw in the paper version, the digital version also went up from 3 tickets, three three and a quarter tickets to almost 8, 140% gains on the back of modern play. Okay. Uh, there were four split cards in Modern Horizons 2, Fire and Ice being the reprint. Uh, and then there is Fast and Furious, Road and Ruin, Road to Ruin, and Set and Done. But you were right, the, the casting costs on all these are very high, three mana minimum. Um, on any of those, Fire and Ice is the only cheaper one. So, And they're all uncommon, the rest of them are uncommon, which is probably why they missed my um, radar. Uh, hmm. Just bad cards, <laughs> essentially. Basically, I mean, they, de- if, set up for draft, like limited usage, yeah. but they, 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 yeah. they weren't interested in giving more of that action to us for modern alongside Shardless Agent. Yeah, it, it does seem like these are very clearly draft cards, and they had no intention of these being competitive. Maybe EDH, but that's about it. You need the split cards to be down in the one to two mana range where they're useful when you're playing them alongside Cascade. Well, and given the new well, and given the new rules, sometimes you want one side to be uh, like a higher casting cost, and one to be the the side a low casting cost that you actually intend to use. Because under the new rules, you have to combine the casting cost to uh, interact with Cascade. Yes. 
Well, yeah. So that's what I mean is you have to assume that your cascade is never going to hit the split card. Yeah. So the splits have to be cast costed such that you could reasonably cast one half of it. Like people will actually cast fire. Sure. Uh, well, fire and ice is, is unique because they're both twos and they're both good. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, that for sure. But, you know, dead gone, like people will actually cast dead and may cast gone, but like fast and furious where it's three and five, like, <laughs> yeah, the, with those effects, nobody's interested in casting either half of those. Yeah. All right. So moving on over to segment three cards to watch. Got plenty of goodies this week. Um, how about uh, jumping in on some uh, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. This is on my radar as a set because it seems to have been largely underwhelming from the perspective of many of the players that I've seen talk about it on social media. Also vendors who have spoken about it not selling particularly well and especially the collector boosters not selling particularly well. It didn't. Nobody really felt like there was enough... Uh, impetus to be chasing super premium versions um, of this set in particular. But the reality is that there's quite a lot of good casual EDH cards in this set and a couple of sneaky ones that could show up in greater numbers in competitive formats as well. Looking at early uh, stats out of EDH rack now that we're about a month out, Treasure Vault uh, foils, uh, foil showcase uh, should make clear. Um, you can pick up over in Europe at around $11. They're closer to 20 on TCG player. In 1,482 EDH rec decks, which is 8% of all decks, um, this looks like it's going to be more or less a slam dunk given any amount of time. And I love this, like, good in EDH from, slash from a summer set. That's the kind of thing that peaks my radar up. Okay. Uh, so the treasure vaults, treasure, treasure vaults, a, a, a tricky one for me because people were going bonkers over it. And I just, nah, I don't quite connect on this in terms of power level, but I mean, you're talking about this being an arbitrage play. So like, okay, but, <laughs> I, I guess there's not really there again. It's that type of thing where, the, you know, you don't have to be clever. There's two things going on, right? It's an artifact land, so you can recurse it as an artifact. Um, so getting multiple uses uses out of it with uh, with the ver the whole bunch of things in in four different colors that can bring back artifacts and EDH matters and then making a ton of treasure tokens Wizards is just leaning in real hard on the clue food and treasure tokens and especially with treasure um, so seems very unlikely that it won't continue continue to see the play that it's demonstrating even if that drops some eight percent of all decks to say four or five percent in the long term as it fades from memory these are still going to dry up we're looking at on tcg player you've got 54 listings um, and no particularly deep walls so it's as predicted the big big crack jobs for this set seem to have been early and also few and far between doesn't look like anybody's reloading with 20 fresh copies of these showcase foils so getting them over in europe where of course the edh demand tends to be softer looks like as you said possible arbitrage with additional upside like you bring them over at 11 or 12 now you could get relatively modest gains at 20 but if you hold out a little bit and say wait three to six months maybe you're selling at 25 to 30 so yeah treasure vault showcase foils okay I can see that. Um, 
I, I work that works for me. That works for me. I wouldn't have, wouldn't wouldn't have flagged it on my radar, but I think it's uh, it'll work out for people most likely, regardless. Uh, the next one is the one that you were poking me to add this week, but I did not mind throwing this on the list here once I took a look at it, which is uh, Urza's Saga, a card you've heard us, a card and a set you've heard us reference plenty of times. Um, I'm looking at, there's a couple of options, ways to go here. Uh, ultimately, I think it would appear that the showcase foils, uh, those are the etched foils, etched, yeah, the etched foil foils, the etched foils are probably your best bet. I think these are ugly as sin, Frank, personally. Like, I just, I really think they're a poor execution. But let me give you the relevant number here. Today, August 17th, in the year of our Lord, 2021, there were 11 foil sales of etched foils. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's like, I, I don't think I've seen that on a card yet. Uh, I there could be some outstanding factor here that I am unaware of, but that is a pretty remarkable velocity. Uh, there are 34 vendors with copies right now. It looks like the cheapest copy is just about 38 bucks. Um, I see a guy with five, a couple twos and threes, but that's about it for the inventory here. Seems like by the end of the year, early next year, these could be pushing 80 bucks. Um, you know, minimum probably 70. It's in five and a half thousand EDA track docs, which is about 10%. So a decent number for sure. Uh, and being a colorless land, like that's good. It's just naturally going to fall into a lot of decks. It's the 14th most played land in modern. So uh, a pretty reasonable number there as well. And with that velocity on TCG player, it doesn't really matter if I think it's ugly. People are clearly buying the card. So have at it. And it's a really good thing that there's a bunch of three and four color decks running around in the top eight circles of modern right now, because that is preventing this from getting banned. There, there hmm. aren't that many decks that can run four saga. So for instance, you, you see it in hammer time, uh, but you, you don't see it in a bunch of the other decks and ditto something like Ragavan where people were also calling for Ragavan's head early on saying it was going to get banned. There aren't any Ragavan decks in either of the top eights we looked at this week. Yeah. Now, yeah. now part of that is Ragavan is extremely expensive. It's like $400 a playset on Magic Online or something like 363, <laughs> 380 that tickets. That's it. It's like three to, 350 to 400 tickets last I checked. Um, so that could be contributing. But it could also just be that the meta is pivoting away from Ragavan. That you, you do see it in, I think, the Grixis Shadow list in the top eight. Let me just see if that was true, because sometimes they have it, and sometimes they don't. I, I will say that we, you know, Ragavan and Urza Saga were on the very short list of is this going to get banned uh, right after Modern Horizons 2 came out. But for the most part, um, it does not look like they have been as offensive as, per, as you know, initially suspected so uh they, yeah they, they they seem like they have a much healthier outlook in in the format than initially anticipated yeah so grixis shadow did run the four ragavans that finished an eighth in the challenge and then hammer time of course has the sagas did the urza's list also run the sagas yes urza's list also urza lord high artificer ran for urza saga which is just two <laughs> Okay. Is uh, is Urza broken enough yet in either form? <laughs> yeah, right. Pick pick a pick a card type. So we've got creature, land, and uh, enchantment, right? 
Yeah, enchantment land. So once we get next, Urza's staff, we're gonna have to ban all of it. Yeah, next set we're gonna get Urza's uh, Urza's Urza's shame. It'll be a very phallic metal artifact staff, and it'll be equipment, and the character will have it between his legs or something. I don't know. Uh, and then it'll get banned for a whole other reason. Urza Saga etch foils seem like they're in pretty good shape right now, all things considered. The inventory is not super deep. It's draining out very quickly, as you said, like 11 sales in a day on the Ash Foils. They're currently around 40, which isn't cheap for a foil rare that just came out. But for them to go to 75 or 80, as you're predicting, seems you know entirely possible because it is kind of undeniably the biggest home run out of the set. <clears throat> as we're going to talk about in segment four, it's the, it's the second most played MH2 card in Modern, and it's the third most played in EDH. And very little seems likely to disrupt that. If Modern goes through a period where, you know, four of the top five decks are running Saga, then it could be in jeopardy. But that doesn't look likely heading into the fall. So we'll have to see what these two standard sets we're getting uh, in September and November end up doing to Modern, if anything. But I think that the problem with standard sets when facing the current state of Modern is that very hard for them to print something that's powerful enough in a standard set, more than one, two, three per set, that can even make its way into the format. Just because of how many powerful cards they're pushing through via things like Modern Horizons, Modern Horizons 2, and the, the addition of older cards like Fire and Ice into the format. So will we get some awesome vampire or some really good planeswalker this fall? Yeah, probably. Will they get played in Modern? Sure. But are they likely to, you know, suddenly make a bunch of one and two color decks come to the forefront that also can therefore run Saga pretty easily? That seems much less likely. Hmm. Okay. So it sounds like you really like your pick that you put under my name. <laughs> I mean, honestly, tons of people have talked about this card. I, I wouldn't even claim it as my own. It's kind of one of the more obvious targets from the set. But yeah. I, I was actually surprised to see that we hadn't already put it on a list. And I think it wasn't there earlier because people were also talking about it being banned. And yeah. and now that, you know, one of the, the write-ups I'm going to be doing for the Discord this week is basically amounts to MH2 premium good cards are draining way faster than you thought they would. Like two months out, a lot of the stuff is under 50 listings already. And some of it's under 10. Like, if you look at the border, uh, foil borderless endurance, those basically don't exist. And we talked about mm. last week about how that's, uh, you know, a top uh, three card in modern and it's the top creature in legacy. And, yep. and those are just gone. And they're, yeah. not, they're not easy to replenish, even though they show up in draft set and collector booster boxes, because you got to open a lot of product to find a foil version thereof. Right. Yeah, I remember uh, the chat about endurance last week. So, so if Wizards was to dump a ton of MH2 collector boosters this fall, like say that they went ahead and kind of broke the usual mode and, and reprinted that and just pumped them into the market, that would be a thing. But I really don't think we're facing that trouble. We know that Europe just got a shipment, but it wasn't very deep. And it was kind of just a makeup shipment, as we've talked about in the past. And I haven't heard Asia or North America say they were getting the same thing. And they're releasing two separate standard sets this fall. So they don't really have a lot of impetus to be going backing up the truck six months and trying to, you know, glean some more value from the MH2 gravy train. 
But it seems really unlikely that they would be going back after they've got other standard sets that are out and releasing additional uh, boxes of this older premium product. Like that, that's not really their style. I seem, it seems much more likely to me that they have something planned for the holiday season. That could be a, a different supplemental set that we haven't heard about yet, or it could be a big secret layer release, or it could be the secret layer uh, membership drive. They might've cleared the very end of the year for that to, to try to get people to commit to whatever 200 bucks, 300 bucks a year um, or whatever they're going to charge for it. And yeah, so I mean, I think these, a lot of this premium stuff in MH2, I'm not in any rush to put it up for sale. And I think if you give it a little longer, you're going to be in a very nice position. Because keep in mind that as you're selling things like Dress Down and um, Unholy Heat Foils or Endurance Foil Borderless, you're still holding on to your Scalding Turns, your Misty Rainforests, your, you know, the fetches that are already looking pretty good and are going to continue to drain at a steady pace. And then give those six to 12 months and they're going to, you know, I think that cracking MH2 collector booster boxes is going to work out just fine for for people that didn't utterly strike out with them. And so will holding them probably. I think it's going to end up kind of like the the Commander Legends CBs. Um, There was way more of the MH2, but I think the MH2s have an even deeper pool of good cards. So, you know, what's a MH2 CB going to be worth in two years? six seven hundred dollars maybe Whew. like what's going to stop that from being true yeah yeah i mean it, you know reprints might put a bit of a drag on that but uh yeah overall i mean those are certainly look solid into the future just as extraordinarily dense pockets of value so as a follow-up to the theme of will they or will they not split edh at some point circle of dreams druid which is basically Gaia's Cradle on a Stick. Uh, foils look real good. You can get foil extended art versions of this uh, in North America for about $20. They're no cheaper over in Europe currently. It's in almost 1,100 EDH rec decks so far, which is 12% of all green decks reported since it was released. And I think calling this you know, in 12 months to go 20 to 40 just seems like a complete no-brainer. It's an extremely good card. Uh over 10% since release. So I, I will admit that 10% since release strikes me as like mildly low. Uh, like I would have guessed 30% if you asked me, but keeping in mind this is since the set is released, right? I probably would have guessed a little bit higher. Um, but at the same time, still very good. $20 for extended art foils here and a card that's likely to be I'm going to go to guess in the ballpark of uh, uh, what is his name? The three mana one from Theros. Dryad the of the Elysian Grove. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he's he's really good in modern too. But I I can see Dryad and this uh, Druid being roughly as popular equally popular in EDH. Which makes sense. Dryad is at 30,000 decks now, a couple years out, and 12%, holding steady at 12% of all green decks. So the, yeah, com- the, com- the comparison is not crazy. And he's 75 for extended art foils. Yeah. So if this is half as successful as that, you still have a double up here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I can uh, I can live with that. I can live with that. All right, your next one? 
so my next two picks are based on the upcoming Innistrad set and a bunch of werewolves and people are going to go build werewolf decks and people are also going to spec on werewolf cards and it's one of these as long as you're if you're the first one to have a couple copies in hand then you can list them uh you know you can kind of sell into the hype i i know that wizards kind of dropped the ball they really whiffed on edh the first time they went to Innistrad because i don't think they understood that edh was popular yet uh they dropped the ball on the second in Estrad. I don't expect them to do that this time. So I do think there will be a reasonable number of people who go build werewolf decks. So I went for two uh lower value, lower risk picks that are slightly off the beaten path. I mean Mayor Averbrook has just disappeared, but you know, you have to have you have to play 98 other cards. What are they? So the first one that uh, jumped out at me as a potential choice here is Kessig Cage Breakers. This is from the original Innistrad. And if you don't remember that card, that's not surprising. It was a five mana, three, four human. When it attacks, you put a two, two wolf token into play for every creature card in your graveyard. So the werewolf decks are going to be looking for ways to generate extra bodies, werewolves especially. And the fact that this could potentially throw 10 or 15 of them into play at the same time is... Uh, pretty much unmatched by any other card uh, that you're going to put in that deck. So should show up, and it's it's mono green, which means it will absolutely fit in whatever werewolf colors they print. Uh, you can grab this. It's only got it's got three printings, but the Innistrad is the only foil. They are currently around two seventy five. Uh, inventory is. Let me double check here. There are nine vendors left, but the prices have not gone up. So I was checking price graphs. This is, you know, you're buying in about 250, 350 right now. That is not any higher really than it was a month or two ago. Uh, I think this has just had some sort of natural decline. Plus people probably went and bought a couple copies already. So there's not a big, very inventory. MTG Mint card has eight of them, but that's it. So I think these will probably get emptied out from TCG Player real soon, and you'll be able to sell them for between $7 and $10 a piece. So, you know, a playset or two, I think are probably going to do you pretty well here. The only thing that jumps out at me is that this is neither neither the creature it makes nor the creature itself is a werewolf, right? Yeah, it's it's no, it's not a werewolf, but it creates wolves. But the not tokens that, but not werewolves. Well, but all of the cards that reference werewolves reference wolves and werewolves. True. So they could change true. it. Yeah, I mean primarily, especially if you look at like the most re- the the Innistrad itself every card that referenced werewolves said wolves or werewolves so this is making the assumption that they will continue that trend um, and i think they're kind of a little too entrenched to switch that up at this point i mean if they change the way that plays out then yes this is less good if they make that change this could also be a card that shows up in the commander deck but again if they do that then it won't be a foil and the foils will drain accordingly yeah Right. It's 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 not like amazing, but I think you know if you're paying two fifty three bucks for these spoils, you'll probably sell them at ten bucks a piece in relatively short order. I think you and I both agree these are the kind of things you go shallow and hope to get out early during the hype, not wait to see how things turn out. Yeah, which is why I'm talking about it now and not after all the Innistrad spoilers have already landed. Fair enough. All right, I'm going to go with the Gitrog Monster Judge Foil. These have been around for months, but the thing about the Judge Foils is they have a pretty standard pattern. You don't want to get on the first wave. Sometimes there's an opportunity to sell into extremely high prices the first week or two after they show up for the first time. And then 
later additional waves appear. And you want to be towards the end of that cycle because they end up getting pretty cheap, sometimes in the US, but almost always in Europe. And currently you can get Gitrog Monster Judge Foils over in Europe for about 20 bucks. I think you're aiming to get out here around anywhere between 40 and 50, say, 6 to 12 months out, assuming that they dry up. Um, 10,500 DDH rec decks run Gitrog Monster just in the main, never mind when it's the commander. That's 7% of all green-black decks. The art on this version is pretty fabulous, and very little doubt in my mind that it will eventually drain out. Um, currently, we're at 26 le listings left, starting at 38 or $39. That first listing does have 17 copies, because keep in mind that uh, regional judges can either dump piles of these onto vendors or sell them themselves online if they can uh which is probably not too hard to do given that all the judge meetings are virtual at present and so there's probably something like i don't know a couple hundred copies to burn through in north america on the major sites right now and there could be some uh, additional meetings that are going to generate more copies being handed out that could take some time but i've this is a really great looking foil. The only downside it has is the ugly owl icon in the text box, but I've just learned to blank that out at this point. And uh, yeah, it's the Get Rock Monster. It's going to get there. <laughs> the uh, yeah, this is uh, uh, these are nifty looking. I will give it that. Uh, oh, I just had it up. I was trying to look at it. Where did it go? Uh, the the art on this is considerably different with that giant nasty very angry frog compared to the other one which was just sort of there it is kind of an odd set symbol uh it's funny because the set symbol and the watermark actually looks a little bit like the art in this card well like did, did the thing with this approach to these new judge promos is did you need the owl as the set symbol and a watermark i think we probably could have just gone with the set symbol yeah 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 well yeah all right. In any case, uh, when did these when did these land? Like when are these? I think this is at the end of a six month cycle. So okay, so we're probably far through it. Uh, yeah. The, I mean, in the past they double down on these, right? Like they release it, and then like a year to a year and a half later, they release more. Haven't they done that several times? So get rog was the twenty twenty one. Uh, conference promo from earlier this year. So I believe it was either late spring, like early spring or late winter that they first appeared. So who do they even send these to then? There's still like, there's still like conferences going on online and then the regional coordinators probably send them out to the judges. I guess I'm just thinking like who, who under what what qualification do you get sent one of these? Because there haven't been any the, events to judge. Well, yeah, but your your judges in the system. So the judges are just doing their meetings, keeping up to date on rules, getting sent free promos to keep them from all quitting being judges. Didn't they? Uh, didn't they switch that up so that you no longer? I I could have sworn they made some change to the judge promos where now you got them for being good at your job essentially. They're, they're, Do you remember that? Yeah, but you, they are, they're still handed out in relation to the promos. They, it was the whole switch to the new, to avoid like unionization of judges and a whole bunch of labor related things where there's a judge uh, 
a, a basically an independent judge organization that is in charge of handing out these promos. Wizards feeds them promos. They distribute the promos, and the distribution of the promos is based on participation in online conferences and so forth right now. Yeah, okay. Huh, all right. Uh, so, for instance, like it, last year, the conference promo was Sylvan Tudor, which has, mm-hmm. has already made me money. So, mm hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, I mean, they, they're, they've demonstrated a pattern here. Um, you know, the timing works well. Uh, as long as you get in at the right time, Get Rog is certainly popular. And I still think it's still one of the best landfall commanders you can make. And even if you don't pick him as your commander, he fits very well into Lord Windgrace or whomever you pair him with. Uh, a very cool card that doesn't seem to have really lost that much steam. I think he's still pretty high on the commander list, isn't he? And in terms of sales velocity, two to three copies a day. So if you're at 26 listings, even this person who has 17 copies, they're only, only going to take half a month to a month to clear out like a third of all this. So it looks like he is, do, 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 what heading am I under? This is the past month he is rank 60. So definitely still showing up here, 170 decks compared to number one, which is 150. So, I mean, even still, it's about a third as popular as the most popular commander this month. But more important, uh, you know, more importantly, 10,500 decks I mean, yes. inclusions in the 99, which is why I'm calling it out. Generally, I don't go after commanders. I mean, foil borderless attracts and made me plenty of money from last fall. But unless it's a very top tier commander, I wouldn't be reaching for it. But get Rock Monster because of its interactions with landfall triggers and lands and graveyards fit, tends to fit in all over the place in, in its colors. So lots of play. Right. Yeah, that's what I was going to point out that, um, you know, he's... A little lower, but still on the board. Whereas, and Lord Windgrace is at rank twenty-five, and there's no way you're playing Lord Windgrace without playing uh, Get Rog. So he kind of counts for both, as far as I'm concerned. So the point being that he definitely has some ongoing popularity, even right now, like what, however many years after his initial release. All right. So moving along to your next selection. Uh, yeah, I'm going to wrap up with Gyre Reach Bandit. This is another werewolf that if you're playing a werewolf deck, you're going to want some copies of this, a copy, some copies. You, you're only allowed to have one copy in your deck, guys. But uh, you might want a couple copies to sell. Fairly straightforward on the front side. Uh, but when you flip it out, when you manage to transform it, it's whenever you, uh, whenever a werewolf enters the battlefield under your control, uh, you may transform it. So... You play your werewolves on the front half, and they're still werewolves, so you get to immediately flip it to the good side of the card. Very, very popular, very appealing in a werewolf deck. Again, uh, there are, let's see, oh, I wrote this down, only 21 vendors between both the pack foil and the uh, pre-release foil. I think it's like a 15-6 split or something like that. No one has more than a handful of copies. Um, you're going to pay about two, probably three-ish bucks for a foil copy right now, depending on where you grab them. Again, I think you're looking at double, maybe maybe 10 bucks uh, a copy for these once people start building their werewolf decks late this year, uh, maybe just early next year. So go shallow, play ish but I think uh, you know I think you'll you'll do okay here. There is one small wall. Pack Fresh Magic has twelve copies at three sixty one, but that's probably oh, just that guy. That's probably just the one you buy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just just buy but those twelve. Gets there. Yeah, yeah. 
all right, what's our listener pick this week? How about J Hunt Eleven pointing out unmarked grave foil extended art from MH2? Speaking of premium Modern Horizons two cards that have dried up under people's noses, he's calling this to go you know in zero to six months. Um, you can pick them up in Europe or the US around four or five in Europe closer to six or seven in the u.s to go to 20 it's already in 1700 decks on edh rack which is four percent of all black decks and then it shows up in modern in orzov stoneblade slash reanimator lists um but the most important thing here is obviously somebody has already taken a swipe at these making it pretty easy for whoever follows on because these things are down to just 12 tcg listings total and let me just see if i can find the numbers here there are no major walls there other than one vendor with 11 copies. Everybody else has just one in stock. Hmm. This is the Entomb card. Search your library for a non-legendary card, put that card into your graveyard, then shuffle. So he's saying buy the extended art foils at five bucks. Uh, there are only 10 people left on TCG Player with a copy with a low of seven. And it ramps up immediately from there and these are not board these are not showcase you can't find these in draft or set booster boxes they only come out of collector booster boxes so right, so they're right. they are not easy to to resource i will say this i think there's a lot of these sitting around in inventory um i for sure have six seven eight copies of various languages um and you could probably just take the inventory from the pro traders and fill tcg back up <laughs> I would guess, given how many CBs we bought. the But these are draining at one to two, sometimes three foils a day, which is a pretty nice steady drain on these. Yeah, that feels, uh, well, yeah. I mean, if they're selling at that rate, the, the inventory here is raises my eyebrow. Um, it's too low. It's been know, targeted. But, right, exactly. But uh, if that's got that sort of velocity, then, I mean, you, there might be enough to prop up a good price movement here at 15 or so. And this is also the kind of effect they don't print very often because you don't want too many of these floating around. Yeah. Like, yeah. don't expect to get a better version of this in either Innistrad set. They simply can't do it. Like, you can't put that kind of thing in standard most of the time. <laughs> because even even if it would be okay in the standard in question, which is unlikely since it'll be, there will be graveyard themes, the it certainly isn't going to be okay to have a bunch of them in modern. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Uh, so I think that's a solid pick, grabbing these at five bucks. I can work with that. I think that's, uh, that's totally fine, even though it does seem mildly forced. You're still probably going to work out yeah. if you're paying five bucks for them. I'm not going to run out and try to buy 50 copies of this in Europe, but I would buy one to three play sets and be okay, okay. with it, especially those prices. Sure. All righty, moving on over to segment four, topic of the week, top 10 MH2 cards two months later. Of course, we did our, our set review, and we got some of this right, and some of this stuff was completely off our radar, but... All that matters now is what is are people actually playing in Modern and EDH, and how much of an impact is Modern Horizons 2 having? Um, in a nutshell, a ton. <laughs> Modern Horizons 2 is a very important set in the game of Magic. Uh, massive impact on Modern, massive impact on EDH. It's a better set than MH1. 
Uh, and it's funny because early on in the previews and even halfway through towards the end of the previews for Modern Horizons 2, people were saying the opposite. They were saying that they thought that MH1 was a more impactful set and that they had dialed back the power level in MH2. No, 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 no. That That's not even close to true. Let's dig in here and see see what's actually going on. Over in Modern, the number one card in the format is from MH2. It's Prismatic Ending. Urza Saga is has an asterisk beside it because if you're looking at, say, Goldfish data, they don't count lands in top cards in the format. They put lands off to the side. But Urza Saga is, if you look at the play pattern for Saga, is in number two because I think it's something like 21% of all decks. Let me just find the number. It is in... Uh, Urza Saga is in... Sorry, twenty yeah, 21% of all decks, and they almost always run the full four copies. Um, so that puts it in second overall on the MH2 play pattern rankings, followed by Endurance, which is the currently the ninth most played card in Modern. I think last week we, we said it was top five, but it slid a bit this week just based on current set of results. In Legacy, it's top three as well. We've got Ragavan in 14th. Unholy Heat in 17th, Dragon's Rage Chandler, which of course is in a bunch of black-red and blue-red decks, in 19th. Sanctifier on Vec is there to block Death Shadows and Dragon's Rage Chandlers and Ragavans and so forth in 22nd. You've got Fury, which is often a four of in a few different shells, including Shardless Footfalls, in 29th. Void Mirror is a popular sideboard choice in 34th. And Solitude, one of the other elemental creatures, in 35th. Not too far behind them, you have, you know, Subtlety, uh, Grief, and... Uh, uh, yeah, I guess that's the other two that are missing off that list. Um, that aren't too far down behind. So, that's a lot. And, it, and if you go to top, you know, top 15 cards, or top 20 you'll easily get there. It's not like that runs you out of your list of MH2 cards that are making a splash in Modern. There are 20 to 25 cards that are right up there doing work. It's, it is a remarkably impactful set um, in a way that I don't think people really anticipated. I feel like Modern Horizons 1 hit Modern with a couple very spiky cards. Hogak, Urza, um, Arkham's Astrolabe, that then mostly all just got banned or neutered uh, and sort of fell off the radar a little bit. But Modern Horizons 2 is just it's just all over the place in terms of what it has brought to the format. I mean, you've got a, ma- a major utility land, a, uh, essentially the premium removal spell in the format, and a lot of creatures that hit a lot of archetypes you have ragavan who is being seen play in ultra aggressive decks but also is playable in jund you have the incarnations which are mid-rangey creatures but also get a little bit of combo play and then you have a couple other more just like straightforward creatures it's uh it's done a lot of work in the format and i mean it, it at the very least i have to give credit where credit is due they uh they did a good job with this set and getting in what they put on the shelves it might be one of the best design products ever yeah for the brand yeah it's 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 it's, you know if you consider what their goal of it was 
it's hard to argue otherwise. Really hit a lot of buttons in modern and big in EDH too. Like it's hard to imagine how this could have been better. Kill spells, aggressive creatures, combo mid-range control creatures, control spells. You've got some sideboard choices. The whole it's the whole package. And that's even not even talking about the cards that didn't make this list that are actually pretty high up there. Like uh, uh, the other two elementals, as I said, but also Foundation Breaker, also Shardless Agent being legalized for the format. Asper Sentinel, of course, in Hammer Time as a full constant four of. Um, Murktide Regent didn't make this list, but is, isn't too far behind. Um, Dothy Voidwalker, which is makes the top five on the EDH side of the list, um, but is a little further down for Modern. A, a lot. <laughs> it's a lot, a lot. You got Asmo over in the food decks. Ignoble Hierarch you know, for the people that are still clinging to their Jun decks. Um, it's really, really deep. Yeah, it is. And I, I want to contrast, um, to come back to my comments earlier about Goblin Engineer, I want to contrast Modern Horizons to supply and foil prices. Because I think... I think we could agree that the Modern Horizons 2 stuff has been um, pretty aggressive, right? Like Urza Saga was one of the our picks this week that, you know, everyone seemed to agree looked really good. Um, Prismatic Endings we pick, you picked last week. Several of these cards have been identified as like strong, already strong gains and doing well, right? Like, are we on the same page with that? Sure. Okay. I, I, I just, I'm just drawing a contrast because I find it interesting that I have been keeping an eye on Time Spiral Remastered, which was a very big deal for whatever the two days that we were allowed to talk about that set. <laughs> uh, because the old, the you know, that was the, fir- for the first, the first, I believe, iteration of the old Border Foils, and everyone's real excited about them. So, you know, the hype train is well past that set, and I have been keeping an eye on it uh, because I want to buy those cards. And uh, it doesn't, the the velocity is not there um you know earlier you mentioned that goblin engineer you're like oh well the time spiral remastered old border foils 25 bucks already it was never less than 25 dollars that's like the floor they're all that price um and for instance the one card i've had my eye on is uh vanquishers banner and i have i have looked at that card multiple times uh over the last couple months it was it's like a it's like a nine dollar the absolute cheapest version of that card is like nine bucks. People really like that card, and it was something I had my eye on for werewolves because I'm like, oh, if you're building werewolves, if you're building the tribal deck, this is a good card for it. And uh, I mean, everything like the the number the play pattern is really high. The cheapest price is like eight or nine bucks, which is very high for something like that. It's got multiple printings too, and the old border foils are still sitting at twenty five bucks. And like, there's I don't even think there was a a foil foil copy sold in the last whatever TCG players are right now, like twenty sales data. Um, and that's been the kind of the case across the board. So I, I, I'm bringing this up because I've been thinking about the fact that it seems like the Time Spiral Remastered foils have been a lot cooler and way lower velocity than I anticipated. And I think a lot of us did. And you see Modern Horizons 2 is really blowing that out of the water. Um, in ter- So it seems like, I guess, Modern Horizons 2 is providing a frame of reference to understand how popular the old border foils are, which is to say, not that much. 
I'm not sure I, I agree with that. I mean, let's take a look at something like Old Border Foil Thoughtseize um, over on TCG Player. Currently at 28 listings, there isn't a single foil that sold in the last week. But it's holding its price at $300. So are you correct in saying there's no sales velocity on those? Yeah. Because they're, they're priced between $300 and $600, and people are loath to... If you, if you get one, you're getting four, which means you're committing $1,200 to that purchase. So the number of people that are willing to do that are going to be few and far between. But nobody seems particularly desperate to out them at a lower price, and that has a lot to do with two things. One, Time Saw Remastered was one of the lower print runs of the year. Two, there was no premium version of that product. There was no collector boosters associated with it, which was a rarity this year because pretty much everything else had that. So the, and you get those old border foils once out of every 27 packs. So if you're lucky, you get two per box, but most of the time you get one. So all of that adds up to the best of the best of the stuff that comes out of there. Your thought seizes, your chalice of the void, etc. Anybody that's holding them, isn't didn't really experience extreme supply side pressure there wasn't regular influxes of product one of the things i noticed early with the uh, tspr stuff is that the uh what walls the gaming company the biggest crack job operation on tcg was able to bring to the table for this set got gobbled up pretty quick and never got replenished because they just couldn't get their hands on enough inventory to make it worthwhile or they were flipping the product sealed and that means there are no walls of 10, you know, 5, 10, 15, even 20 copies. If you're looking at the Thoughtseize, is the most anybody's got is four copies, and that's Brute Force Games, who has 50,000 plus sales on TCG. Everybody else has one or two. There has been some, mo- some motion on this set, though. If you look at something like Chalice of the Void, one of the top five cards in Modern right now, um, the Chalice of the Voids are the number one best-selling card, according to TCG Player, from the set this week. And they are up from, you know, under 40 to lowest price copy on the site being $65 a piece. I've got Russian boxes of Time Spiral I open, so I have Russian chalices, which I'll probably aim to sell at, at around 100 a piece. So there's certainly motion on key cards. We talked about living end foils being something that could drain out from TSPR. But in terms of are people clamoring for old border foils i think we would probably have to take a closer look at that on a card by card basis say for the top 10 cards and get a sense of why they may or may not move my gut off the top is that most of the cards in question tend to be played in multiple copies in formats like modern and legacy chalice gemstone caverns tarmogoyf thoughtseize yogmoth um and so forth, and that those non-EDH-specific copies are going to take longer to drain out in foils when there's no supply-side pressure to push their prices down, because committing to you know the four foil chalice of the void or the, void or the four foil thoughtsies is just such a big chunk of money. Yeah, well, it's not to say that you're never going to have any movement at all. Some of the most premium ones will, right? Like. I'm not surprised that, you know, the Thoughtseize or whatever. It's it's more that sort of like middle band of cards. Not the stuff that nobody wants, but 
not the like top five cards in the set. It's kind of everything that sits in between that it just seems like it's every time I look one of them up, they're all just sort of stuck there without really seeing any movement. Um, I mean, I even talked about, uh, it was Talrand. So I'm looking, I'm doing this live here. So maybe I'm going to end up being wrong. But I remember we talked about the pack foil or the retro foil Talrands because the numbers on that are excellent. Uh, and that was a little while after it came out. And I'm looking right now, uh, near mint retro foils, 33 copies, lowest copies, 22 bucks. I think that's less than what I picked it. Um, 30, and, 33 listings or 33 copies? Listings. Okay. So, so a like, couple more copies. So like 50, yeah. 50 copies or something? Yeah. And that's about on par with what I've seen across the board is most of them seem to sit between about 25 and 40 listings. Like nobody has 50. There's, I haven't seen one that's like over 50 listings yet, I don't think. Uh, well, but I think that's just by virtue of how rare they are. Well, and here's another example. Panharmonicon, you would expect to be you know, getting gobbled up at some reasonable pace by by EDH players. Lowest price on that is about 60 bucks for the old border foil from TSPR. 56 listings, so that probably means something like 60 or 70 copies um, without digging too deep. But on the latest sales data, not a single foil copy have sold, has sold in the last week. So that, that, that leans into your narrative. And, it, and it's tough to say whether that is, can be interpreted as we, the Magic players, do not care about old border foils. <laughs> Or that it's just so much happened immediately thereafter. Because following TSPR, you know, you joked about being able to talk about it for two days. And you saying that is a reflection of us immediately going into Strixhaven, which included the Mystical Archives. And then, of course, there was the whole hullabaloo about, oh, crap, the Japanese set booster foils are worth a bajillion dollars. Um, Everybody go buy time warps. And then we went right into Modern Horizons 2 less than a month later. And Modern Horizons 2 is a blockbuster. And so there's been a lot of attention diverted. And past MH2, you enter what has traditionally been thought of as the summer lull, where you see vendor sales drop off. People don't play indoors as much because they're out doing summertime things. You know, they're on family vacations and whatever. And now we're starting to get into that period where with kids back in school in the U.S., the, we are moving towards uh, an increased sales volume, which I've certainly seen lately myself and other members have been talking about. So I'm curious to see where we're going to end up with things like OBF Panharmonicon, OBF Goblin Engineer, OBF Vanquisher's Banner, and some of this other mid-tier stuff that mostly gets played in EDH, that mostly people only need to buy one at a time, one at a time of, and you know how is that all going to end up? Yeah, and the reason I brought all this up was not to um, steal the topic back from steal the topic away from you, but just to highlight the contrast of Modern Horizons Two really having this very impressive velocity, more so than I would have anticipated, uh, and compared to this other set, which was supposed to be a bunch of awesome premium cards that people were going to love, that's just like sitting there for the most part. So it really does speak well for Modern Horizons 2 and certainly makes the set look very interesting um, from a, a speculation standpoint, whether we're talking about singles or sealed product, uh, you know, on a medium and long term, honestly. Now, I, I do, I would lay some of this at TCG players' feet. One of the issues on this site is has always been that premium copies are basically hidden except when they have their own listings. So for instance, Endurance Borderless uh, is its own listing. 
But if you're looking at, if you want to look at the foil version of, say, the old border primeval titans from TSPR, you have to go to the appropriate listing, and then you've got to turn on foils. So the the just finding, say, a showcase endurance is a lot easier than finding a foil of anything, including that card, because it takes that one extra step of clicking a filter. And as a long time, uh, you know, owner operator, project manager, designer in the web space, I can tell you that even that one click is a really big deal. Like ideally, I, I've never thought that TCG is doing this correctly, especially since their goal is to maximize a sale. Typically, their motivation should be as a platform to convince the most people possible to not buy the cheapest version of the card, which from therefore, by my, from my perspective, would be well, then let's put the premium versions front and center. Like, let's find a better way to showcase these because, you know, they're called showcase for a reason. They're supposed to impress people and people are supposed to want to buy them. So why do we force people to go down the left side of the page? And if you're an inexperienced TCG participant, it might take you a while to even find those filters. Like, when they should be, like, right up there. Like, it's it's crazy that on, even I'm on a 4K screen and there is no link anywhere above the fold before I have to scroll where I can access foil pricing other than the direct by TCG player will show me the, the foil pricing if I have that filter already on. Yeah, the, the UI in here is is pretty clunky for a variety of reasons. There's the fact that... Um, oh, wait, I just lost my train of thought. There's the fact that like retro frames and things of that nature are not listed as part of the same car. Oh, There's yeah, that's filtering crazy. for the which is just like I, that that organization is lunacy um because you go up to see other versions of this card and it does not show you all the versions of this card because the retro frame is categorized as a different card than the original one and the only so like if i have to if i'm looking at a card i'm going i wonder if there was a retro frame of this i have to go back out to scryfall search it there and check that to see if there is one uh which is unless you are really connected to the game, you are never going to catch. Now, the point could be made that no one who's going to buy a $60 old border foil panharmonicon isn't going to know that already. Uh, you know, it could be one of those things where only the enfranchised know to go look for it, but the only person that would ever buy it is enfranchised anyway, so it doesn't matter. And maybe maybe not but you know there, there's a variety of ways that their platform seems to be getting in the way of selling cards well even to just look at they have a price points box now that shows you the market price for normal and foil neither of those two things are links why are they not links if i if you show me market price 7286 that's an impetus to purchase at that price i should be able to link through that price to get the appropriate results and the page should reload accordingly below so there, there's a bunch of stuff here that interferes with foils being able to sell. Now, that being said, people still found their way to basically nearly buy out endurance foils of, of the showcase version. So I still think there is there is something to be said for hype train moved on and OBFs might not be quite as popular as we as people have assumed they are. And part of that is the blindness of the enfranchised. You and I both being in the game for 15 or 20 years... We te- we saw OBFs and went, ah, that's smart. Like, that's going to work. Like, I want those, so other people will want those. 
But as we talked about last week, it's not clear whether people that have been in the game, say, five or ten years, that never played through the era where they had the old borders, give a shit one way or the other. Yeah. And and it, yeah. And it also might get better over time as they give us more OBFs, because so far there's every indication they'll continue doing so. And, and more and decks can be can have a unified look and feel because one of the things that could be slowing that down is that they don't the people that are super OCD about the way their decks look want it all to look the same and if you can't make it same same then maybe you're not as interested now over in EDH where people are playing 50 different frame types or something now it's probably less of an issue yeah yeah and uh, my takeaway is that the very loud voices are, that you see on social media got excited for the borders because those people have all been playing for a very long time. And even if they haven't, they have made the efforts to go back and find those old cards and find them cool. Whereas the average player just doesn't care as much. Um, that's just my takeaway. And again, all of this stands in contrast to the success and sales of modern horizons too, which is, is just definitely moving. So, but, but if there's a warning call to be found there, it could be that watch out for really cool Innistrad box toppers to, uh, displace interest in MH2 premiums. Part of the reason they might be doing better is because they weren't bracketed by sets directly thereafter the only gap in the release schedule this year was after mh2 they let it breathe to really milk hmm. it because that was the five the 400 to 500 dollar cb product they wanted to give it a little more little more space it felt like and we basically got the month of you know mid mid of july through to uh middle of september for this product to breathe on its own as right. as uh, as arguably the most important release of the year yeah, I mean, I mean, I will say that the the seeds were sown for that to work well. You had a product that was a home run in terms of quality for the two biggest formats in Magic that landed at a time where people were willing to spend money uh, and wasn't immediately pressured by other sources. So yeah. it, it, that could also that could very much be part of it. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Innistrad put you know, take some of the um, excitement out of the Modern Horizons 2 sales. But at the same time, that's normal, right? Like, that's not something we're going to be surprised by. Uh, You would expect that to be the case, essentially. All right, so so to wrap up this segment, shift gears over to top 10 MH2 cards in EDH. Number one, by a long margin here, is Esper Sentinel. My top pick... Uh, back when we did set review and top pick for EDH as of today. 82, almost 8,300 decks reported on EDH rec. 30% of all white decks are on the card. Uh, and it's also in the top 50 creatures in modern. Doesn't make the top 10 list, but it would have made the top 15 um, just based on its four of play and hammer time and its smattering of play elsewhere. So Sentinel's definitely going to get there. Sentinel's right up there alongside Urza Saga as a spec par excellence and also significantly less likely to get catch a ban so potentially less risk than investing in saga um yavamaya cradle of growth is the second most played card slots into hmm, pretty much any multicolored deck that includes green 
um, as it does a lot of green fixing for you. 7,350 decks uh, reported on EDH rack, 12% of all green decks. Urza Saga, as we said, was second most played in Modern, and it's the third most played in EDH. 9% of all decks run that card, 5,500 decks total. Number four is Dothy Voidwalker, 5,400 decks, uh, 18% of all black decks. Then we have the first uncommon on the list, Tireless Provisioner, 3,700 decks. I think we flagged this during the set review as being because of its interaction with tokens um, that Wizard seems committed to making more or less evergreen. Um, seemed like it was in good position, and I guess we're getting a whole bunch more clue tokens in the Innistrad sets. I'd be very surprised if that wasn't the case. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it seems obvious. So 12% of all green decks there. And then Ragavan, um, which was pretty obviously a strong competitive card within the first two weeks, but wasn't obviously uh, an excellent EDH card, is number six here, 3,700 decks reported, 13% of all red decks running the card. Uh, and then we have Dam, the Wrath of God variant that requires you to be in Orzhov colors. It's in 23% of all Orzhov decks for EDH, 3,200 decks total reported. Ignoble Hierarch in 8th place, 2,700 decks, 38% of all Jun decks, the highest percentage inclu- inclusion total as an excellent early creature and color fixer for those colors. And then Profane Tutor at 2,500 decks, 8% of all black decks, Followed up by number 10, Academy Manufactor, 2,450 decks, 4% of all decks. Those are some magic cards. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, those are a very potent set of cards. I mean, you you know, the top eight are all double digit percentage of car of decks that have been released since then. I mean, you know, we, we I don't have a point of reference for this. Like we don't have a list of, you know, out of the average set, how many cards two months later, like what percentage are they in? Um, so it's a little tough to give a to give a strong opinion about where these land. As per Sentinel, 30 percent is very significant. Dothy Voidwalker at 18%, definitely meaningful. Dam at 23% would matter more, is important, but would matter more if it wasn't black-white decks because there's not, you know, it's not the most common color combination. Um, Ignoble Hierarch 2, 40, nearly 40%, but it's got to be a Jun deck. So like how many, you know, the ratio of those is low. But the Asper Sentinel is certainly the, the major data point there. Whatever Asper Sentinel's price is today, it's, you can probably just go ahead and buy it at it. I I never ended up buying any, and I wish I did, and I'm wondering if I should be. I'm guessing they're, what, $20 now? I don't know. Uh, it depends on which one you're talking uh, about. Well, the Sentinel but... and Showcase. Uh, the Esper Sentinel, you can get it $15. Pretty deep on the listings, 178 listings. That probably means there's like 250 copies. I think that's a buy. Like I don't I don't know if it's six months, twelve months, or eighteen months, but it's gonna go fifteen to thirty. Like what's gonna stop it? They might put it in a secret layer or something and give you extra sexy art on it. That could be some kind of a drag. But they if the art was especially good, it would it would become the premium version of the card and probably just pull away from the originals. The sketch version of the card is one of the the less offensive sketches. You can get those for 14 or so, and those listings are even deeper. Uh, well, even deeper in near mint. About the same. 
in your maybe even a little less in your mint. And then, so, so I'd be looking at sketch foils probably, since there's under 61 listings now, and you can get those for 25. Those are going to go 25 to 50 or 60 pretty easily. Between hammer, some Hammer Time players buying sets of four and EDH players steadily buying ones. Like, let's see what the sales velocity looks like. Looks like you, you sell one to two foils a day on TCG Player. So if you've got 200 copies, you need 200 days to get rid of them. Minus whatever the the restock rate is, which is might push it to 250 or 280 days to clear the whole thing. But if Hammer Time keeps doing well, that could accelerate pretty easily. Because every once in a while, you're, you're, you know, once one out of every three weeks, you might sell a full play set of foils to accelerate the process. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, it's not terrible. Um, you know, if you buy in for a, a small pile there and then you just check back in a year, year and a half and see where things look, you could be pretty pleased with what the numbers say. I think there's also some money to be made on Cradle for sure, Dam, Ignoble Hierarch, Profane Tutor, and I already called Academy Manufacturer recently. All of those cards are the best versions of are just going to steady drain for long periods of time. So yeah. the, the biggest crossover here for sure is Saga. Um, Ragavan and Esper Sentinel are up there as well as being played in both formats prominently. Ragavan being fourth in in the modern top 10 and sixth in the EDH says that Ragavan is probably a hold for the foreseeable future for the same reasons as Saga. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I like Urza Saga more. Um... I mean, Ragavan's a mythic. So it could be the the Ren and Six of the set. Well, yeah, I mean, you're right. Ragavan being the Mythic is the relevant data point here. Uh, I think overall the card is less exciting than Urza Saga is, but the whole Mythic thing makes a big difference. Of course, the price is already ridiculous, so I don't know at what point I'm interested in paying money for that card. I think Ragavan regulars are down to about... Well, not down. <laughs> Rag- Ragavan regulars are pack foils that are 110. Huh. And regulars are at 70. So it's not down, it's up. Our group buy pricing on that was either 48 or $50. So people are already up 20 bucks a copy in less than two months. That's, yeah. I mean, did we sell many of them? I don't remember. Oh, yeah. Hmm. I mean, I wouldn't have spent money on that. It's kind of wild, but. If it works, it works, I suppose. Well, because Renin 6 is currently at 110 or something. And, yeah, and, yeah. I mean, and draining out. So if Ragavan to, is even remotely close to that play pattern, it's going to be the $100 Mythic. Yeah, yeah. Just to have thought that it would be that good. It's sort of like, eh, was it going to be that good? Like, I don't know. Let's, no, let's, no. See, let's see what the story with the Borderless one is over there. Borderless foils on Ragavan are now up to... It's like close to 200. It's got to be. It's at 153. 19 listings left. Real steep ramp up to 200. You only get about 10 copies in before you're paying 200 plus. Jeez. Uh, that's a lot of money. Yep. So you're talking about $800 play sets. So you can expect that sales velocity to drop through the floor. Uh, and in fact, but, but they've still sold five foil borderless in the 140 to 170 range in the last week 
and it's only 19 Jeez. listings left. So if you maintain that pace, you're probably going to hit that $200 mark. And I pulled both foil Japanese borderless and foil German borderless of this card. That's nice. Yeah, that should work out pretty fine. That's nice. Ah, uh, okay. So, bottom line, Modern Rises 2, real big deal set. Worth tracking these top 10s and keeping on top of them. Yeah. And keep keep yep. your eye on inventory levels and look for the drain. Look for the drain. Okay. Uh, I'm going to call it there because of... I'm tired. <laughs> Where can people find you online, Travis? Uh, I'm on Twitter at wizardbumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N. Uh, how about you, James? You guys can find me on Twitter at MDG Critic, as well as via occasional articles on mggprice.com and my constant haunting and support of the ProTrader Discord. I'd also like to remind our listeners to check out the mggprice.com ProTrader service for just $9.99 a month or $109.99 per year. You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MGG finance minds in the business, and a super active Discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. Once again, MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including the best in match together in single, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5 during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% of your order and support our podcast. That brings us to the end of episode 285, I believe. Uh, yeah, 285. Uh, enjoyable as always, and I think... If the timing, if we got the date right, there's going to be a pretty big announcement from Wizards next Tuesday. So just a couple hours before we record. So hopefully next week we'll have some very fresh content to talk about with you all. Pretty sure we'll see fresh previews from Innistrad stuff and a list of all the products for 2022. So it should be a meaty week of discussion. Thank you, Travis. We'll see you all next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance. <laughs> Thank you.